All right, we're on. We're live. Oh, no. <laughs> Recording live. From live from Grandview. A weird back room in Grandview. That's terrible acoustics. People thought I was at a coffee shop yesterday on my Zoom call. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I actually really like the style of our office. I do, too. Your parents have good style. They have wonderful taste. Yeah. A lot of people who come to our office, say, they, they say, oh, my gosh, I love the style of this <laughs> office. I mean, it's not entirely unique i think it's probably a pretty you don't think it's kind unique of like industrial chic yes I don't know if that's, that's unique i don't think so marco you <laughs> went to seminary and straight to dsm you've not I had a lot in a of place jobs close to a decade that was like a mix between a nursing home and a convent in an insane asylum <laughs> i heard of pat my room was padded i no, had a, a, a seminarian recently ex-seminarian i don't think that's the right language yeah, that sounds very i know what you're about strong. to say he said that seminaries are like insane asylum. <laughs> I, I promise you, I don't dramatic. remember. Okay, and I don't no, remember his, his seminary exact used language. to be an, an okay, insane asylum. Oh, it, yeah, St. Greg's in Nebraska. Oh, well, that's oh, that makes a lot of difference. <laughs> knowing that Not would have that been helpful. all seminaries <laughs> are modeled after insane well, asylums. Just, I mean, I think you was, obviously didn't hear him correctly. Well, I wasn't fully listening. I was. I was busy, but I feel like he did say that. I was taken aback. I did not ask a single follow-up question. I was aghast. I was aghast, but I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I was like, yep. (laughs) Moving on. Gosh, selective hearing. Okay. You heard seminary and say Marco has this thing that men are disposed to have selective hearing more than women. No, I say that men are disposed to not be good multitaskers. Oh, no human is a good multitasker. The brain can't multitask. And you said, well, men can't just cop out. Exactly. That's a cop. You said that's a cop out. That is a cop out. Oh, I just can't listen as well. It's like that. Why? <laughs> that's insane. That's not biological. Well, because what I'm doing. S- oh, because you're doing and women are just sitting and being. <laughs> and cooking and cleaning, you can multitask. It's easier to. You know, it's funny because clean. I thought that that was good. That was a way of me saying, I'm sorry, I can't do what. I <laughs> no, that is a cop out. That's not a good apology. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. Again. But I do think men are. Don't you think men sure don't are. have a capacity to do a lot of things at once? Women do. I mean, me. Yeah, I'm sure there's maybe a, a, a greater. I mean, that's a co- that's a compliment. That's a compliment. Kitty, that was a compliment. But it's always. Not that you're saying this, but when men say that, like they're not talking about you're allowed, you're an astrophysicist and you are like delving the depths of the cosmos while you contemplate God's existence. It's like you can chat with your girlfriend and paint your nails and like make a sandwich at the same time. Women are amazing. Like it's always kind of this subtle. You can do menial things many at a time. So well, this is my problem. Like I'll be cooking dinner and Anya will be telling me things and i'll be responding but they're not registering we would what's not registering like i didn't hear her but what are you saying back to her i don't know oh my it's weird auto it's a weird autopilot that's not good yep that's that's concerning being like awake sleepwalking (laughs) (laughs) awake walking i I talk in my sleep you do that's really (coughs) scary yeah the other day i giggled and said taquitos (laughs) you said what taquitos (laughs) well (laughs) <laughs> it's in your blood. I was like, he, 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 taquitos. That is so weird. That is so weird. Every morning, I'm like, good morning. What did I say last night? That's yeah. now my morning. It's our morning. Sweet. 
Marriage. You make marriage seem so great. Yeah, everyone should get married. It's really a lovely thing. And you can find out if you talk Say, in your sleep. <laughs> I'd freak out. Oh, that's so scary. <laughs> I have a friend who, in his sleep, he goes, uh. Like Darth Vader. Like the ring. <gasps> the ring? Does she say that? <laughs> that girl says it in the yeah. ring? She makes this sort of I thought grumbling. she was mute. No. Oh, well, I guess you can still make noises. Just not worked. <laughs> Edit. Mark this for editing. Edit this. Okay, so today we are actually starting. Hey, do, can you hold the earphones in? <laughs> I think I have them in the wrong Sorry, ears. Katie's having a trouble with our sound stick equipment. Stick in my ears. Okay, so um, we're going to start a new series of, of 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 looking at essential pillars of living waters and ch- trying to to educe from them different ways of talking about it, either through literature or movies or um other media other media yes. yeah so great great idea katie came up with and we're gonna, we're gonna okay and if it doesn't work out <laughs> so if, no, it's, an utter <laughs> Thanks, if it's an utter failure please no, no. direct no, I actually all like it. comments to me <laughs> um you know what's funny i've been listening to podcasts that's like if you want to donate to us on patreon we Ooh. need to do that yeah we need a patreon <clears throat> we need yeah. patreons we do we need we need Patrons. Patrons. What? Patrones. <laughs> what is that? That's Patrons. from Harry Potter. Oh, Katie, we don't. Sorry, mention. we don't believe in that. <laughs> so today we're going to start our topic of radical redemption, um, or just redemption in general. But ra- I, I like I like radical because it it sort of goes to the root. Literally, radical just means root. But that redemption of <laughs> that Jesus affords us goes to the very root of our existence. Yeah, so I, I was thinking a little bit today about like, okay, well, how do we explain redemption? What is redemption? What is radical redemption? So you can probably explain it in many ways. But I thought, okay, <clears throat> Jesus comes with his very self and in his indwelling grace. Grace is just the indwelling of God. He redeems us. So by coming near to us for catholics by by literally making his dwelling in us of course that's probably not just a catholic thing no i think protestants would, protestants would also that see too. that yes i'm just thinking more eucharistic but it, it grace incarnational is, reality for right. all christians so right? like inviting god's life into us brings about something redeeming and so um i just have been thinking about that just in my own life how when i experienced a redemption uh, is when I opened to the Lord in deep areas of my life that I didn't think were redeemable, you know? I mean, it seems very simple, but it seems like redemption is actually quite simple, which is beautiful. Yeah, It's a simple reality of turning from that which is not redeeming, namely sin, opening up to the life of God, especially in the person of Jesus, and then him coming to dwell with you and changing things. Yeah. And when I think of redemption, I mean, of course, there's always will involved. But to me, redemption does seem much more like this is from without. Like God comes to you. And in that moment when you're least deserving of it or or kind of probably always undeserving of redemption um, in some sense, it's he comes to you. And so it's an ascent to him. It's a yes, but it's like it is so much more him Mm -hmm. than us. Yes, we respond. But when I think of the... conversion moments or moments when you are redeemed it's just you have so little to offer to the lord besides your yes to him so it really is a powerful movement of him towards us yeah which 
we need reminders of that, mm-hmm. right? We're, I'm so consumed by my own sort of choices and how I need to respond better to him, which is so important, but also like he does most of the work yeah. and he initiates. And sometimes in these big moments of radical redemption, he, he's initiating a lot mm-hmm. and our response is small in comparison to what he's pouring out. Um, so today we want to focus on a couple of figures from from the Bible, from the New Testament, um, who are, are sort of models of those who have been radically redeemed, yeah. namely um, Mary Magdalene and St. Paul. So these two figures, um, obviously prominent in our Christian devotion for some of us, or just our understanding of scripture, but... These, these figures have, have come with like a, ra- there's like a radical pivot right. in their life, you know? And I think we, we probably resort to that, and na- rightly so, that redemption usually involves a, a radical turning. Yeah. A radical, I'm turning away from this and towards someone, right. you know, and towards I would, something. I think you could argue that all redemption in some sense is radical, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you were a slave to sin, born to death, and then Christ comes to you, and then you were brought into the kingdom of light that's a radical moment i mean i can look at my own life which is of course marked by sin but not typically you know as my dad would say the sexy sins um and so my redemption maybe doesn't look as radical as paul's or mary magdalene it would be easy to be like oh well i was kind of a lukewarm christian and then i came to love him more but i would still say it was radical i mean I went from not really loving the person of Jesus to falling in love with him. Mm-hmm. So I think it is relative, but I would, yeah, I would argue that all redemption stories are in some sense radical. What would you say to someone who is, I remember I was working at, it's crazy, I was working at this children's hospital, long story, but we won't go into that. But there was this nurse who was not a woman of faith, and she knew I was a, a Catholic Christian and was alive in Jesus. and. Um, she she's like i want i kind of want i want to know him it's really sweet yeah. you know it's kind of a simple like i i want i want something like that yeah what would you recommend to people who are listening like i don't really know if i'm in love with jesus like i want to i want to love him how right. how does someone actually <laughs> that's a great dispose question. themselves to yeah i mean i think that that could be answered in many ways i only know kind of my story but mine was being in a community on fire. So I was at the House of Prayer, which is in Kansas City. And so I, I think it's encountered with Jesus first. So I had, you know, mystical experience with just feeling Jesus' presence through the Holy Spirit. But I think that in of itself for me probably would have been a small flame that would have kind of then quickly gone out. And so for me, it was being around other Christians who love Jesus and, and, and prodded me on. So that that is a harder question to answer for someone who's not a Christian. Yeah. I mean, they're not probably surrounded by that community, but I think it's prayer. <laughs> I think really. Yeah. yeah. It's asking Jesus <laughs> contagious cuffs. <laughs> it's like asking Jesus to encounter this one. So yeah. if someone is saying that to you as a Christian, I would say, well, can I pray for you? Yeah. And can we invite Jesus? And then hopefully something sparks and then you can get them connected to the communities you know of. But I don't think there's a pat answer. But yeah. mine was, I was just around other people who love Jesus. And that was great. That's what I needed in sort of moments. My moment of conversion really was people who were also 
converted and being converted and kind of making sure that moment of redemption doesn't become a moment that then you forget about quickly but really change your life yeah i I mean as you say that it it was kind of the same for me yeah you know seeing other guys in the seminary that i thought wow they're they're alive in jesus and i'm not alive like that exactly you know yes and it seems to me that i and i I feel like everyone kind of knows where they're closed to jesus you know like in this particular instance for me, it was like I'm really close to Je- closed off to Jesus in my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing my own thing. I'm acting out. I'm like maintaining an addictive life. And when I saw these people whose life was um, uh, threatening is the, is the wrong word, but their, their goodness was was um, convicting, you know, and I knew like I need a I need to be known here. So it's kind of funny. I think everyone sort of knows, like, what's what's the thing that's holding you back? Or what's the what's the exact thing that the Lord wants in on, you know? Right. So I, li- I love that. Getting a community of people and, like, praying with them. Yeah, and you can be that community, right? That's the kind of the apologetics of, I think, of our time is, like, am I going to be in love with Jesus enough that if someone asks this to me, which yeah. is someone who's probably on the cusp, the Holy Spirit has probably put them in your life. Like, can I, in some sense, be that person who's in love with Jesus that does engender something mm-hmm. in someone interested? I mean, that's not to say you become their spiritual director or you now are their best friend, but we can be that. Like, they don't have to be like, oh, we have to find this on-fire Christian to help you. It's like, I mean, we should be that and yeah. be ready to really impart Jesus to the people who are wanting him who yeah. are again on the cusp of redemption redemption's not our work it's his work but we can help people on that path yeah so what sticks out to you about mary magdalene yeah so mary magdalene i have my bible <laughs> verses um so we don't you hear about you don't really hear about her story of yeah. redemption so to speak so you see her i'm sure it's in a lot of the gospels but in luke 8 um They just mentioned this Mary called Magdalene uh, from whom seven demons had gone out. So all we know from her really is that she was a demonized woman and Christ came and he, you know, rebuked those demons. So her redemption moment isn't in scripture, but what I love about her is her significance. Like, hey, she was with Jesus. She was traveling with Jesus as he's doing the kingdom work. So that is quite incredible. And she's at the cross with Mary when Jesus dies. And he's telling, you know, before he dies, telling John, like, behold, your mother, Mary Magdalene was there. And then Mary Magdalene was, some would say, the first apostle, right? Christ came to her first uh, when he was resurrected. So what I like about her story is like you see how redemption just thrusts her into being a focal player in the kingdom of God. Hmm. She's such a powerful woman to be the first apostle. What honor was bestowed on her. So just seeing how her redemption really kind of sent her from a life, demonized life to yeah. being the first apostle is it's an incredible arc and yeah. incredible just picture of like who what the lord is capable of doing in all of our lives yeah and it, it goes to show too like when the person of jesus draws near 
there there is something qualitatively different that yeah. happens in people right. like demons yes. flee like yes. for example like, <laughs> <Truly>. <laughs> you know like it, it, it's always funny like when people sort of use that like what, what how would jesus respond to you know x and y sinners today it's like well jesus was always a convicting presence absolutely you know his his he, he was bringing something that was it's qualitatively different than what we bring yes. you know of course we can bring jesus but there is there is like a conversion that's that erupts yes uh, that one has to choose i think but that when he draws near there, there is something that happens be it a renunciation of a demonic stronghold or, or or turning away from sinful life so yeah i think mary magdalene shows obviously shows that and she also shows i think a, a woman who is in seemingly utter disrepair yeah a woman who is ostracized by society and completely divided to the point of maybe not even being not having any any way out of that mm. you know and jesus in his mercy comes near so there is um obviously she's a she's a model because she's the first one that jesus also came to in his resurrected form and then sent her out the first apostle pope francis just her feast day in the Catholic world is now like elevated to the level of an apostle, which for those who are Catholic and privy to the liturgical stuff. <laughs> which not all of us are. Yeah, exactly. But it shows something. The church is saying, no, this woman is important and, and her, her redemption is a, um, is, is, is a marker for all of us. So yeah, I think, I think her, she's a, she, she is a, what am I trying to say? I don't have anything else to say about yeah, that. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we could we talk about Paul. It's the same, but, like, these moments of redemption are then followed by choices that you make. So yeah. it's Mary Magdalene freed from the demons and chooses to be a follower of Jesus time and time again, comes to his tomb after he has been crucified just to, like, anoint his body. And so I think we talk about these moments of redemption and radical redemption. I was dead and now I'm alive in Christ, but we know story after story of people who then in some way lose their religion, right? Yeah, their yeah. moments of redemption fade and they're, they're sinners again. Or we would talk about, we see this sometimes in our world that desert streams, you know, people who struggle with same sex attraction and they, you know, really have a lot of victory. And then after a while they kind of fall back into the lifestyle and it's mm -hmm. like oh well i wasn't actually redeemed there i don't believe the lord does it and what i would say if we look at mary and we look at paul it's like no there's choices you make along the way yeah. to steward that redemption into greater fruit and so it's not just a magical thing where i'm redeemed and now i'm never struggling and i never suffer and paul and mary magdalene were never kind of tempted by the old ways but they just committed themselves to the person of jesus time and time again so that radical redemption bore the fruit of the most you know abundant apostle and paul mm -hmm. the most fruitful he says that i'm the most fruitful of the apostles and mary magdalene who's the first apostle so i think choice and and staying faithful to him in light of the redemption in light of the enormity of it yeah. is what keeps that redemption flourishing and mm -hmm. I think you could argue that well yeah you might have been radically redeemed and that's so beautiful but if you then kind of waste it you know it, it's not a permanent thing in a Catholic faith at least so I think that's an important kind of note to that. Yeah. Reminds me of this woman who came through a Living Waters group that I was leading <clears throat> and she uh, had, had suffered an abortion um, 
and she she came seeking healing she didn't struggle with her sexual identity um, per se she wasn't struggling with same-sex attraction or some sort of gender dysphoria but she was struggling in her femininity to see that she was a gift and because of of the things that she had done and I remember her telling her experience of like it was a couple of things it wasn't just a one-off thing but you know she was with her brother and a friend in in the church and she asked them to pray for her you know and there was something about that that masculine covering and her revealing this sin that was still plaguing her even though it was it was confessed in the confessional she needed more light there was still a demonic bite to it you know and that freed her and then even more living waters like being known among peers among other women you know and not only was she covered by men but now she was being covered by women and she was being invited back into in a way you know she, she felt ostracized from the world of women because she had done this heinous thing that she thought I could ne- I, I never even thought I would come to that point you know so when I think of Mary Magdalene I think of Jesus who who does reconcile us to the good of who we are as sexual beings you know it's not all about sexual sin but it is about who we are who she is as woman who I am as man and and his redemption is always, always, always reconciling us to that. It's never uh, bypassing that. It's never trying to mute that. If anything, it's 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 to amplify who we are as sexual selves. Right. You know, who Mary Magdalene was as woman, and and the import of that for the whole redemptive story. So, I love that, and I think I think she's a model especially for women who come into our world because arguably it's it's more difficult for women to confess sexual sin in our in our ranks yes. you know a stigma a different stigma a different shame yeah, yeah probably exactly. a different reason why there's you know they're yes. sinning sexually you know maybe a little more the reasons are deeper and more painful perhaps than right. a man not to be disrespectful but no no i mean it's it's it, it, there is a depth to woman that man just doesn't have. I mean, I mean, we, we can look at that, but won't go into that just for the sake of of keeping to the to the theme. But I think I think there is um, a difficulty for woman to say I struggle in these areas more than men. Men sort of it's like wink, wink. We all know everyone. Yeah, we're hardwired to sin that way, so <laughs> exactly. it's part of who we are. Right. But for women to come in, into the light of that, there's there's something really admirable about that. And Mary Magdalene is a forerunner. Yeah, and the dignity. Yeah. Christ Amen. so dignified her, so despite her past, which he, again, with even with Paul, we don't know so much the details. Yeah. I mean, these are this is antiquity, um, but she was elevated to such a high position. So yeah, redemption does in that sense, wipes the slate clean in yeah. terms of how the Lord will use you. Amen. St. Paul. Paul, yes. Wow, what a... Yeah, what a conversion story. <laughs> Probably the most famous in scripture, yeah, I imagine, in, a, in reading his story. It's three times an Acts, and it's, <laughs> there's not a lot of variation in it, so I'm sure there's a purpose for it, but it starts in Acts 9, 1 through 22. I'm sure you all are very familiar. Um, but yeah, Saul, the great persecutors of Christians, the Pharisees of Pharisees, is headed to... Uh, Damascus, and on his way, he literally mm-hmm. encounters Jesus in this light. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, he becomes blind. He hears the Lord's voice. Um, and in that moment, he 
who once hated the Christians becomes, again, the most abundant uh, apostle of Christ. So very, like, extreme, radical redemption. Yeah. You know, probably unparalleled. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to, you're trying to equate some sort of scenario in our modern day. Like, would that be... Like an Osama bin Laden, like oh my gosh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Very like, I, I'm just saying, like someone who is just right. seen as like who hates Christians, we will never ever reconcile. Yes, with them, they yes. are dangerous, and they're always going to be. You know what I mean? Like he was persecuted. Yes. Yeah, he said he held the coats as they stoned Stephen. Yeah, right. Something about that, like oh, I wasn't the one throwing the stones, but I was holding their coats. It's almost colder and like oh it's not even this rabid passion that i'm now operating in it's like oh no i'm overseeing this like i'm clinical in my desire to rid of christians and then it's encounter with jesus that truly (laughs) blinds him but only so he can finally like so he can actually see the truth but it really is such a I think a, a clear picture. I mean, it's so clear. Yeah. Our stories are typically not that. Mm-hmm. It's not I'm on a road and I hate Christians and then I see Jesus and then I become an apostle. Yeah. But it's so clarifying for us as Christians. Like that is the paradigm of our redemption yeah. just made so much more clear in Paul's story. Mm-hmm. And I think in him you see how that, I mean, utterly altered the course of his life and the course of Christianity, of, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I would say if you're going to talk about radical redemption, you got to start with Paul, even though we're not starting with him, but we got, you got to end with Paul. <laughs> I, I, there is something about the, this template of redemption in, in Paul that I, I think it, there is an amplified um, conversion thing, yeah. you know, that when you encounter Jesus, there's always an element of conversion. There's always something that needs to die yes. in me, yes. you know? So when I read Paul, even if most of us probably can't relate to that, and even and if you can, great. That means that there's place for you Absolutely. in the church. Yeah. Like, Paul is your forerunner. Like, I I have done the heinous of thing, most heinous of things, and now I, I'm, I've been encountered by God in the person of Jesus. But, yeah, when I read Paul... It, it is always a reminder of when I'm when I'm encountered by Jesus, there's always something more that can die in yes. me. You know, yes. there's always a there's always some something that the Lord can can redeem out of me. Because I, I think I think for for most of us, our, our encounter with Jesus is is day to day. You know, there, there's a constant change metanoia. There's a constant change in us when we when we encounter the Lord and just to say, what, what else, what else is there for you to convert in me? Yeah. You know, um, lest we sort of rest in a sort of, uh, I, I'm all converted and I'm, I'm all saved and there's nothing in me that need, need crucifixion. But the, the Paul, the Pauline story is, is a, is a call for us, I think, and a, a call for me to, to allow myself to be knocked off the high horse, so to speak. And, and, and be blinded by the glory of God yes. and say, yeah, you can, you can take that aspect yeah. too. <laughs> and I think what's important about Paul's redemption is that he doesn't forget who he was as Saul. That yeah. wasn't 
I'm redeemed and now I forget who I was. And so I kind of have this, like we talked about the blank slate, but like his mind is not the blank slate post uh, redemption because I think it's important that we remember like who we were before Jesus and what we're capable of. So Paul will allude to that. You know, he alludes to kind of who he was as he was Saul, not as this like weird suffering or this weird, I'm horrible and God, I can't believe God chose me, but just to remember what we are capable of and the beauty and the enormity of what Jesus did for us in our moments of conversion, yeah. in our redemption. So it's a reminder of who we are, lest we grow too smug, mm-hmm. lest we forget to marvel every day at what Christ has done for us. So I think it's a helpful reminder not to just like meditate on the past and unhelpful introspection, but to never forget like what Christ saved us from, who we were before him, what are we capable of, and in that kind of bearing that onus. It's an onus that we have to bear, but I think the Lord is like, well, you bear that yeah. and bear it well, lest you forget. And I think Paul is a great example of one who remembered it, recalled it, spoke of it, not with pride or like abject shame, but no, I was a sinner, wretched man that I am, but the Lord saved me. And that actually thinks it keeps you closer to him yeah. than the kind of forgetting it's like oh well now i'm i'm saved and that's all in the past it's like well in some sense yes but in some sense we we bear that unto his glory and paul yeah. did it to his glory yeah amen yeah have you ever been to rome i have not been to rome no. i would love to go to rome yeah rome's cool i would love to there there there's a church that marks the the spot where where paul was beheaded but oh. paul was a was a citizen of rome so they had the dignity of not being martyred in the city limits so it's outside of the walls. Wow. It's called Paul Outside the Walls. Wow. And yeah, it's this amazing basilica, this amazing edifice that marks the spot where Paul was beheaded. Yeah. So really cool. And most people who weren't who weren't Roman citizens were crucified. Yes. But because he was a Roman citizen, he was beheaded. Yeah. What a, <laughs> the Romans were really They here. were so <laughs> kind. What a, I mean, honestly, that probably was a gift. Yeah. Because no, being exactly. crucified. Right. That's Whoa, true. That's yeah. so long and I know painful. today we're like, ha, ha, ha. But then it, it actually, actually kind of Right. I mean, like mercy. Jesus dying so quickly, they were like, he's dead. I mean, that's yeah. what's like when you read the, the passion narrative, that's not the first thing that comes to your mind. But the guards being shocked yeah. that he's dead already. Because in my mind, yeah, I would be dead five minutes in. Like, yeah. that's excruciating. But in reality, it was so long and painful. It, it would actually be quite a gift. I mean, once the head's off. We're not chickens out there. We're not running around. You know, it's like in heaven. Not to be cruel, but it would be quick. Exactly. Yeah. So I it's actually think kind pain. of a, would it be? It's a weird mercy. A cruel mercy, yeah. but yes, a mercy nonetheless. And then the end, um, I do think we would, we would have to say something about the Samaritan woman. You oh, know? yes. We love her. We love her. She's a great, John she's a great Four. model for us. And what I love about her is that Jesus... Jesus just encounters her in all of her disorder. All of it. In the height of the disorder. Because it's the, yes, I have many men in my life and I'm currently with one. But it's also the shame of hiding from that. So it's not even the the highs of the sexual sin. It's the low of, I've done bad things. And now I can't stand people to look at me Mm -hmm. and see it. So she's in the like most subversive like awful part of sinning is the like the shame you feel and the shame you think everyone's looking at so it is remarkable that he meets her 
where she is the most not wanting to be seen. Yeah. And he come Jesus comes to her there. It's Whoa, amazing. radical redemption. It's radical. Yes. And that she goes and she converts the whole village. The whole town. She didn't have to go to seminary. No, she didn't pray forever and figure out her talking <laughs> points. I mean, I just love the line, like, come see this man who told me everything I ever did. It is so simple. It's very There's simple. There's not this, like, oh, the this huge like theological heft that you have to figure out it's come see this man who told me everything i ever did and i think that's what wins people over because sometimes like really deep theological discussion is great but i would say that doesn't typically prompt conversion but when you just encountered with jesus right mary magdalene paul a Samaritan woman, they all just meet the person of Jesus and he changes their lives. And that is what she's saying. Like meet this man. And people are like, I want to meet Jesus. How awesome is that for us? Can we do that? I can't, I don't really know if I can be Paul. I don't (laughs) feel like Paul. And I don't know if I'm even Mary Magdalene. Like I, (laughs) uh, he didn't come to me post resurrection, but we can all be like the Samaritan woman. Yeah, she's a good model. She's awesome. This is where I love, um, you know, all this water imagery of our ministry, like desert stream, living waters. Cross you know, current. Cross current. <laughs> but I love, I love especially the name desert stream because it is the, the, the stream in the desert is the most unlikely thing. Absolutely. You know? So in these stories of redemption, Mary Magdalene, St. Paul, um, the Samaritan woman, I think it begs the question, where where is the Lord want to make a stream in your desert? Like, where's your desert, so to speak? You know, maybe you are demonized. Maybe you were persecuting Christians. Maybe you have five husbands. Whatever it is, the Lord is is magnetized to make a stream in that desert yeah, and, and the, to bring redemption. Yeah, the living waters that will actually satisfy, <laughs> not um, the waters that are not satiating yeah. your deepest needs. He's just so lovely to the Samaritan woman. I mean, if you haven't read it in a while, just reflect on John 4 and how Jesus speaks to her, what he offers, how she responds. Uh, to me, it's, it's yeah. I love it so much. I uh, my, at my parish, they just started giving the precious blood again, like you can drink from the chalice. Oh, yes which is really cool. Um, and I know this is super Catholic, so excuse us if you're not a Catholic, but I just think about like drinking the precious blood, like allowing that stream of quote living water, so to speak in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as it's, just as sacri- you can get, it's so sacramental, yes, like yes. it's Jesus himself who trickles into those places and and brings about something fresh and new. Yeah, and in that moment, right, the Samaritan story, it, it seems instantaneous. Yeah. It, again, it's not, I go to seminary or I go to school to figure it out. She meets him and then she goes and converts. So for all of us, you know, however you partake of that desert and the stream, that's enough yeah. to propel you to bring him to the towns that need Jesus. And towns need Jesus, right? Uh-huh. The U.S. is so Christian and Christianity is so commonplace, but people need encountered with a living Jesus. And you can only offer that if you've been encountered by the living Jesus. So it's a great, she's a great model of radical redemption going forth in action from that. 
And you know, water needs to be living. Uh, did I tell you uh, my wife and I went to Lake Jacoma the other day? You did tell me this. Okay, can Not you Lake tell me the Cuomo? Is that the pretty Lake? Lake? What's the pretty oh. lake in Italy? Like Lake Como? Oh, oh yeah. I, I don't know. We, I don't know the name. Amalfi but. Coast. <laughs> no. There's like a Lake Cuomo or Como that's like beautiful and European. This is not. One like, day we'll have the podcast there. But We're Lake, coming in live from, from Lake, Lake Cuomo. Cuomo slash Cuomo slash don't know. But Katie told me the craziest thing because I saw these fish that were <laughs> alarmingly large. They were huge. They look prehistoric, like not okay, like dinosauric. Is that a word? I do not think so. Jurassic, maybe. Jurassic. I don't know either. And you That's said, well, it's because of the murky water and the darkness and the mutations okay. of the atoms and i'm like what? i called them mutants. and you're like i think and marco act like he had never heard that term like, wait what mutant i said they were mutants and you're like mutant <laughs> what do you mean like, he was uh, oh. yes you were shocked by it and i don't know if that's true but it seems good I mean, isn't that how all the early people did science? They're like, yeah, that seems right. Like Aristotle. No, it was really amazing, though, because you were speaking so matter-of-factly. Oh, sure. And then at the end, you're like, I don't really know, though. Like, yeah, dangerous. Biology was my worst class. I know. I was like, I was a I'm teacher. Like, it sounded like Bill yeah. Nye. And that's so dangerous <laughs> that, like, yeah, I'm going to speak so confidently and matter-of-factly about something I honestly have no idea about. <laughs> And I'm gonna use terms that make it seem like I kind of do, even though I don't even, I don't even know if biology is the discipline in which you would oh categorize like a fish or what happened to them. So yeah, but that's a <laughs> skill I have. It's very Trumpian of me, I would say. Cut, but cut these this fish out. were cut just so <laughs> cut the Trump reference. We're so big and gray. It's disgusting. And, yeah, it's not natural. It's unnatural to have a man-made lake in the middle of a landlocked state. Is like, it really? Is it unnatural for man to make a lake? Yeah, I mean, by definition, it's unnatural. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and there's no... I just, I don't go to these lakes and okay, go, oh, this is so unnatural. Okay, but that's wild that that was shocking to you. Was so, a man-made you know, lake was, is unnatural, okay? Is that, do you get that? Is that hard for you, your male brain to understand where you're I'm cooking? Gonna, so I'm going to need to discern that. Understand, yeah, no, it's unnatural. And then the fish. No, it is unnatural. Mutants, in a sense. The fruits of this lake fr- are yeah, alarming. Yeah, are mutants. Yeah. Yes. And bless them. They don't have souls, so <laughs> I think I can say that without any, <laughs> without feeling bad at all. Living water, it's. That? That's not living water. No, no living that's wa- not. Lake Tacoma no. is dead water. It's fake. <laughs> It's not living. It is pretty, though, but it's fake. Well, Marco, can you write for a travel magazine? Can you do a travel blog? It's a dead lake, but it's a pretty lake. <laughs> it's pretty. No, it's, it's pretty, period. Okay. Don't want to go. Next. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in thank today. You. We're, uh, yeah, continue with us on this little this little series that yes. we're doing. Yeah, next know? week we will be doing a short story. Yeah. So... Yeah, tune in. You can tune in. And if you feel compelled after you hear the podcast, you can read the story. So we'll reveal that next week. All right. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening.